Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. Cancel culture has come to the podcast. We just got canceled in Kabul. I'm joined with Alex and Parker, as always. And we watched an anime series, miniseries, I guess, called Genocyber. Uh, picked for the name alone, uh, although it was quite good, although a little bit incomprehensible. <laughs> That's what you want. That is yeah. the understatement of the century. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what I just watched. You know, like... Uh. I joke around, but I do take this podcast very seriously. But I made a distinct point where my notes say multiple times, like, I just gotta look this up later. I don't fucking understand it. <laughs> Rewinding it's not gonna do anything. Like, I'm trying, I'm focusing, but I don't know what the fuck. I watched YouTube videos after. It took a lot. It I, took uh, a lot to figure this out. My notes all just say, God, I hope Parker looks this up later. <laughs> is, is, this what, is this what Normie's watching Tenet felt like? <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? No, because instead of looking up news, I spent my time researching the plot of what we just watched. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. In that case, we can get right into our jerks of the week. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. My jerk of the week is Kid Rock for covering a four-top song. (laughs) I just heard it. It's fucking terrible. (laughs) Parker had the best reaction to that, calling himself one of the four bottoms, so... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck four tops is. Yeah, same. Well, they, they did that song, Sugar Pie Honey Punch. It's like oh, cool, it died R&B. 40 years ago, great. Oh. I thought this that. was like one of Frank Zappa's backing bands no, or something. Backing you imagine, like, Kid Rock playing like a fucking 14-minute guitar solo, dude? I can't imagine him playing like a four-second guitar solo. Okay. What are your jerks of the week? Whatever the fuck these songs are called. (laughs) Uh, My jerk of the week is my personal brand. So, uh, uh, rewind back here a week and a half ago. I was at a wedding, sitting outside, talking with a couple people at the reception. The subject of, like, the concept of, like, being starstruck comes up. And, because, like, I was saying, you know, like, in my job, it's like, yeah, you know, like, I've dealt cards to Michael Phelps and stuff. It's, like, no big deal. He's just a guy, right? Because, like, it's usually not a big deal to me. And they're like, come on, come on, there's gotta be, like, a line somewhere. And I said, off the cuff, while drunk, word for word. I mean, yeah, I guess if it was Obama or Tom Cruise or something, like, I would probably react to that. But if it's fucking Jeremy Renner or somebody, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of feels like the jerk of the week should be Jeremy Renner, so... (laughs) I I don't need to pick on him harder. Yeah. Made tag. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) Good pull. Jeez, okay. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Lay off the guy. <laughs> My jerk of the week is, of course, Mark Wahlberg for being a coward and not going to Afghanistan. <laughs> Absolute bitch move. Could have solved all of this. You've had two chances now to avoid all of this conflict. 
I'm over it. Think of all the great have- movies we're gonna get from this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to rewatch 13 Hours, knowing the real ending of it. <laughs> Suck a dick, horse soldiers. <laughs> oh, so what we were saying is wrong. You know, sometimes the sequel does change the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hope Office Jim gets out of there, but uh, spoilers, it's all for not, buddy. R.I.P. Vile Rat. I'm just an analyst. I can't come home. Uh, you know, if if Tom Clancy were still alive, you know, things would have gone differently. Alright, I guess we can get Wait, into... Wait, is Tom Clancy dead? Yeah, he died uh, He died a few years ago, I think. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he was... A robot could have been writing those books. I wouldn't have known the difference. I, they Every still year are, on the anniversary, Chris's dad hangs the flag <laughs> at half-mast. You do, you, do, you do remember, though, my dad is the one who thinks that Tom Clancy was a liberal. Look, Chris... I was going to be more specific about the flag, but I chose not to. Oh. Chris's dad goes out back, gives him a 21-gun salute with a Nazi assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they didn't have assault rifles. <laughs> no, uh, they called yeah, them. Go to bed, Mister Field. <laughs> is, it, is it because there wasn't a place to mount a bayonet on them? I don't know. Uh, anyway, let's take. Actually, use lancers from Gears of War. <laughs> <sighs> you know, I've been trying to get my dad into video games. So I wonder if maybe that would be the one for him. Hey, try Wolfenstein. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like your dad would be a big Microsoft Flight Simulator guy. I'll cut that. Anyway, so I... (laughs) (laughs) He gave you actual advice, like, no, fuck that. Back to the Nazi jokes. (laughs) No, man, there's the off there, if my dad is listening to this, he'll be like, well, the Nazi bayonets, I don't understand the joke. But if if you said, like, Microsoft Flight Simulator, it was like, that's not funny. So... Did you get that fucking Xbox game that was like the $200 Met game? Oh, that thing with like the Oh, Steel Battalion? Yeah. Oh, Steel Battalion was sick. Have you ever actually played it? No, No, but I feel like his dad will get super into it. It is impossible to move that fucking Met, dude. It is so hard. Hold up, they do have that uh, that lawn mowing simulator, so maybe we'll get that for him. Uh, So, watched recently. uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to leave you hanging. I'm on eBay looking for Steel Battalion right now. Okay. My apologies. <laughs> I watched 1983's The Hunger, directed by Tony Scott, brother oh, of hell yeah, dude. And uh, the stars David Bowie and Susan Sarandon and someone I've never heard of. And it's a secret vampire movie and also a secret lesbian movie. So uh, kind of get the two together there. It looks astounding for a movie released in 1983 which is pretty much what you expect from the scott brothers because they just know how to make movies look good but uh i gotta say this it looks so much better than everything else that came out at the time that the only way that you can tell that like it came out in 1983 is like the hairstyles uh because i don't know why but whenever someone makes a movie that takes place in the future they're never able to think of like what people would do with their hair in the future like every movie that came out in like the 80s or 90s is supposed to be like oh you know maybe the future something like that they all have perms still for the women and you're just like what is this come on the only like futuristic hairstyle they could think of is what if women were bald which is uh <laughs> i kind of feel like if i said that in, like a british accent that would be like a dark mirror premise <laughs> oh, man. we will well, get oh, to that what if you're bad i know i am mate <laughs> <laughs> so the hunger has david bowie in it and uh i think that's his first uh starring role in a movie uh he went on to be in the prestige and uh Alex's favorite movie, Labyrinth. Uh, <laughs> Future episode. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, oh, wait a second. 
<laughs> the hunger's all right. The hunger's all it's, right. It's, it's going on the wheel, dude. Oh, cool. I've already seen it. So the hunger is actually pretty good. Uh, it, again, it's more of like a visual treat than anything else because the story is just a little too slow for me. But it's so much fun to look at that I don't really mind. And I do have a lot of fun following these three characters. So it's it's interesting. It's kind of like, uh, I guess, a more grown-up version of Let Me In, uh, which I would not recommend to anyone. But uh, yeah, I, I had a decent time with it. It's just so horny. It, there's hot ass yeah. vampires looking hot because it's a Tony Scott movie. Yeah, part of it, I think it also attracted a lot of controversy because, like, oh, a lesbian romance. What if a girl had sex with another girl? Which, again, British voice could make it to, like, a Black Mirror premise. You can't do that so, on TV. Yeah, well, not back then you couldn't, but you could do it on the big screen. Well, anyway, I moved on to a movie from 1946 called The Beast with Five Fingers, which is what they called Shaquem Griffin when he was born. And uh, this one has Peter Lorre. That's the only reason he watched it. (laughs) Uh, Well, the the B joke was, that's what they called Rick Allen when he was born. Uh, Anyway, yeah, this has Peter Lorre in it. It's just fun to see Peter Lorre again. I think he's a really, really good actor. And he's he's one of those guys where you put him in a movie uh, that isn't something like uh, The Maltese Falcon or... uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, and he's easily the best actor, and everyone else has tried to, like, overact just to keep up with him. Uh, this is basically the story of, uh, it takes place in Italy, but everyone speaks with, uh, an American accent, and, uh, some old guy dies, and his hand comes off, and his hand is still, like, playing the piano and, uh, killing people and stuff, and they have to figure out what's going on with it, it's like a little murder mystery sort of thing. It takes place in 1946, and, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Sorry, there's really not much there. Uh, next one I watched has two titles. Uh, it's either called Night of the Eagle or Burn Witch Burn. Uh, I'm going to call it Burn Witch Burn because it's about witches and there's just an eagle at the very end who swoops in to torture ah. a character going like, Caw! and uh, that made me <laughs> laugh uh, really loud. <laughs> did, a, did a second eagle come in for the last like three games? Too this is the fastest I've ever done a 180 on a movie description. <laughs> as soon as he mentioned the eagle's attack, it's like, oh, well, no, one eagle, one only one eagle comes in there to uh, attack him and eat a little. Does it also eat horse shit? Yeah, <laughs> he was eating lunch in his car. <laughs> we cover uh, them all. Great, we did it. <laughs> Bird Witch Burn is um, a movie about a witch. Uh, this it's about this professor who doesn't believe in all that. Well, it's British, so he doesn't believe in all that fiddle faddle. I don't like that word. Yeah, that's not a, that's a burn. That's a burn mirror uh, or a black mirror uh, premise. And uh, anyway, he discovers that his his wife has when a bunch. You're of... a spy. You can't use technology. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that that's a really good Michael Weston. I have to admit, it's it's always like the most like patronizing voice you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Let's say your wife is a witch. She might have witch-like objects located around the house. And it's just like him like going through his <laughs> wife's drawers like looking for like her witch stuff. <laughs> and it's like, if you find any of this, the best thing to do is to burn it. And he just burns and he's like, I don't need this shit in my house. And she's like, no, that was to protect you from evil spirits. And he's like, come on. And she's like, no, no, you don't understand. Oh, I'm a witch, isn't it? And he's just like, come on. 
Anyway, it turns out he is getting attacked by evil spirits. Turns out there's actually a witch. I guess that's the twist of the movie. There's another witch who's attacking him, and she was like the good witch, and there's a bad witch, like they're attacking each other. I don't know why I'm doing this with my hands, like, do, 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 make them kiss. Uh, I that was like the eagle hands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the talons. <laughs> how Jalen hurts throws, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, haven't you heard? He's good. Um, Many the, uh, people are saying. Yes. <laughs> this one beat writer who has apparently been a liar in the past is saying, uh, burn witch burn. <laughs> My uncle works with the Eagles. This is Jalen Hurts. Really good. Uh, burn witch burn, I think is okay. I Believe it or not, it's one of those movies where I don't think it has any place in today's filmography. I think for kids back in the 1960s would have been good. It's one of those things I keep coming back to with the Hayes Code and what you could and could not get away with in movies. Uh, in Britain, they were a little bit more uh, lax with their rules, but in America, they had some very, very strict rules up until about like 1967 about what you could and could not show in films. And so there weren't really any R-rated movies back then, so every single movie was something you could basically take your kid to. And this is about as good as you can get for horror for kids, and uh, I don't know, it's okay. Uh, doesn't it... Oh, God, this next one. Okay, well, the list taketh and the list giveth away. Um... Uh, this is one I've been avoiding for years, and I finally cracked, and it was just like, oh, hey, a 1080p version on So It Goes. I should download this. Uh, so, I spit on your grave. Is it a feminist God movie? fucking Chris? idiot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> critics what are, in fact, split. <laughs> I... Uh, I don't you don't know. have to watch them all. You don't understand. Even I've never watched. You Why don't would understand. You? Yeah, I'm, yeah, but there's like 400 you haven't watched. You I'm, don't have to watch. I'm this. now up to 500. I'm halfway there. <laughs> look this, at you. Was this a milestone? Was this like number 500? Uh, one, two. Three. Oh man, it was like 497. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was missed close. opportunity. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I spit on your grave. Is uh, turns out. Not very good. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, besides the fact that it has the record for the single longest rape scene in movie history. Oh, well, other than that. Yeah, oh, that's fun. It also has no music throughout the entire movie, because I don't think they could afford it. Uh, it looks like shit. It sounds like shit. Um, doesn't really have uh, much of a moral besides it is bad to rape, which I already knew. Um, and the effects aren't very good, and... Uh, it's overall pretty unpleasant but I will say that it would be wrong to say that this movie does not have value uh, one of the things where it does have value is the way it portrays the rapists in the movie uh, it portrays them as normal people and maybe that's because the movie was so poor they couldn't afford Rick Rape or like any of the other like <laughs> greasy people that <laughs> I knew that would get one of you uh, <laughs> every time <laughs> They, they could have think about like the rapists that you typically see in movies. You typically, you think rapist in a movie. It's like usually like a really obese guy or some like really like oily guy. He's like licking his lips. He's got like you know pimples all over his face. It's some really gross, disgusting guy. And there's part of a reason why movies do that. It's an artistic way to represent that rape is a disgusting act done by disgusting people. In this, it's a lot more realistic. Uh, Rape can be done by any guy that you meet, and, and that's what makes it so much more frightening. And uh, I, I think that's a good idea. And again, it may not have been a conscious decision. It may have just been like, look, this is all we have to work for. These are the only four people who showed up to 
the rape movie, but uh, it, it does work in its favor. Um, I I have to admit I was happy to see the uh, the woman get her revenge. Uh, it was like fuck these guys. They really really suck. I, I'm glad that they are dead. Uh, although her revenge takes too long for all of them, it really drags out. This movie should not be an hour and forty three minutes. Uh, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Parker, look forward to you watching this. No! <laughs> uh, the other thing about it is that, like, a lot of people have called it misogynist, and I, I don't know if I can uh, sign on with that, because uh, th- there was a notable anecdote about this one feminist uh, leader in the UK who was protesting the movie. Then she actually sat down and watched it. She was like, oh, never mind, this actually is a feminist movie. I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it feminist either, but it's not really misogynist because it, it's definitely very pro-woman, and the director of it actually based off one of his life experiences. He was walking home from work one day, and he came across a woman who had just been gang-raped in the woods, and he brought her to the police, but the police were just terrible. They were questioning her way too much, refused to drive her to the hospital, so the director actually ended up driving her there. Uh, he defends his own work. The, the lead actress uh, defends her work. Uh, she even appeared in one of the later sequels, I wish that word didn't have an S at the end of it. And, uh... Put it on the wheel. Yeah, no. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. And, uh... (laughs) Luckily, this is the only I spit on your grave that's actually on the list, so... For now. For now, yeah, who knows. Maybe the later... Might as well get a head start, man. Much like the Constitution, it's a living document. Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I spit on your grave. Uh, Actually, I I remember I told Parker about this, and you were just like, yeah, you know the dark thing about this is you realize it's not even in the bottom ten movies you've seen from the list. (laughs) It's... It's real rough, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe part of it is the fact that I've been so desensitized from what I've watched, and that, I mean that's a real possibility. But it also just looks too bad to get mad at. You're just like, oh, there's nothing really realistic. It just looks kind of shitty. Uh, speaking of rape movies, I watched oh, the end. What, dude? I had a really bad week. It's I didn't Sounds pick. Like I, I actually didn't like know that this one would have rape going. In. This is called The Entity. And it came no. out in 19... 19- he sh- should have asked me beforehand, buddy. Yeah, I, I told you, actually, 1982, The Entity. I'm telling Parker about this. Uh, I'm watching it, right? And uh, this woman walks into uh, her house after a day at typist school, because that's how you get money. And she uh, she lies down in bed, and suddenly the scariest movie soundtrack I've ever heard kicks in. The bed just starts shaking, and her, and her clothes are, like, ripping, and she's screaming and yelping, and, and she's unable to move. I'm like, what the fuck? fuck is going on it's it's this like percussive beat this choom, 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 choom. you're just like what the fuck that was terrifying and uh, i texted parker i'm like jeez i'm only like 12 minutes in but the entity's like really good parker's like oh yeah isn't that the one where a woman gets ganked and i'm like uh then she says later on it's like yes i, I was uh repeatedly ganked and uh, she's telling this to her friends, but she's like, yeah, but there was no one there. It was like an invi- maybe it was an invisible person or just a presence or something. Uh, anyway, they're trying to figure out what's going on. A lot of this movie, I think, may have been like about gaslighting, you know, because no one's believing her. They're saying it might be hysterics or something, or maybe she's making it up, or maybe it's past trauma coming to the forefront. No, turns out there really is an entity there, and it's repeatedly sexually abusing her, which is a little awkward to to see over and over again. I think this is uh, where I start to get a little bit more towards the misogyny in movies sort of thing, because, like, look, there's a woman in a horror movie. What's the worst thing that could happen to her besides killing her and then we don't have a movie anymore? Well, let's just rape her because we can do that. And then, I don't know, it just kind of... 
it kind of bothers me that that's like this is what we do to women in movies this is the scary thing that we do uh, I, I don't know I just think we could A be more creative than that and B be a little bit more respectful than that but otherwise I, I gotta admit the, the effects are pretty good in the entity it's not quite as good as Poltergeist but uh, it's worth your time if you're really careful going in there um, uh, the next one getting away from rape movies for a bit I watched uh, <laughs> I watched a, res- a Wes Craven movie called The Serpent and the Rainbow and uh, I actually really like this one this is one yeah, where good. yeah Bill Pullman goes to uh, Haiti actually filming the Dominican Republic because turns out Haiti had a bit of a political crisis at the time uh, to get a, a special uh, toxin called detrodotoxin, which is a real thing. It's actually just used as an anesthetic that you can combine with, like, I don't know, frog liver in the mud of the outback or something. And you can make, a, I don't know, zombie serum, and you can bring people back from the dead. And he wants to use it for good. Uh, <laughs> now, I will say about this movie is it can be a little hard to follow because there are so many, like, oh, I'm suddenly in a nightmare sequence, and you get a lot of shots of Bill Pullman waking up from bed, like, ah! And uh, you're like, oh, yeah, another another nightmare. There are also a lot of shots of him, like, just wandering into a building and suddenly he gets accosted by Haiti government officials and uh, getting threatened <laughs> and thrown back out on the street. And he just never seems to stop. Uh, they go to town on his dick and balls. They really do. They fucking put a... Yeah. So uh, he gets his revenge, though. Oh, boy. Uh, really good effects. This is something where I, I wonder about Wes Craven. Like, I hated his first two movies so much. I hated The Last House on the Left. I hated The Hills Have Eyes. But I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I think maybe he just needed a budget, you know? So uh, once you get a budget, you make stuff like The Serpent of the Rainbow, Nightmare on Elm Street, and whatever the, was the people under the stairs that I like so much. I think yeah. I like that one. Yeah, Dude, th- that was God, really good. The too. scene where they drug him with the zombie thing and start to bury him alive upset me so much as a child. You know, that's Could what's not weird. Deal with it. Because, like, every single time I watch that in a movie, whether it's that one or whatever, what was the name of that French one? Where it was, like, that that uh, that woman disappeared and that guy has to try to find her or whatever, and, and the twist is he, get, he gets buried alive. That, I don't know why, every single time I see a guy get buried alive in a movie, I'm just like, jeez, fuck. That's like, that's, like, a real fear of mine. That's, like, it's beyond claustrophobia. It's, like, you're basically fucked at that point. And I've seen it in other movies, too. It's like, I know it's just a movie. I know they're doing special effects. I know there's a light right there, and that doesn't make sense. But, like, man, that's... For all the gore in that movie, for all the, like, the animals and all the other shit they do in that movie, that's the one that really does get me. So, The Serpent of the Rainbow, actually pretty good. Now, I want to talk briefly about anime. This will be, like, sort of a lead-in to uh, yes. Geno Cyber. Uh, anime is... I'm going to quote uh, Ben Croshaw on this one. Anime is a lot like an ice cream parlor. You can go there and choose, like, one thing off the menu and have a pretty good time. But if you spend, like, every single day there, you're going to get fat and out of shape and you're going to smell bad. It's going to be bad for your health and your social status. So there are certain things in anime that I really, really like, but they're usually the stuff that no one else has heard of because they do things differently than other anime. Uh usually the stuff that everyone likes in anime I don't really go for. I don't, I don't like Hayao Miyazaki movies, for example. I cannot stand uh, slice-of-life animes. Uh, like, I guess Fruits Basket is one of those things. Don't, uh, don't, don't yeah, I've, I've heard. I've heard. I think Do I not assisted. add it to the wheel. <laughs> uh, 
So I actually ended up watching one that I heard did things a little bit different. Uh, it's called How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift? The good news is it does do some things differently. The bad news is it doesn't do enough things differently. I was uh, led to it by a friend who was like, you, you might be into this. You like working out. I'm like, yes, I do. So uh, I watched it. And the first thing I was gratified to see is that it, it portrays young women without unrealistic body shapes. Like, for the most part, like, they're still cartoons. They're still going to have, like, the big eyes and everything. But for the most part, it's, like, I feel like a lot of women watch anime and uh, they see, like, the giant bouncing tits and everything. They're just like, well, I'll never look like that. So it's, it's bad for your body self-image. This one, like, you know, the, the women are, like, still skinnier than usual, but they're, like they're realistic you know and that's like a good thing and it's all about them wanting to go to the gym and get in shape and like that's how we spend our day you know like how in Yu-Gi-Oh all they did was play with their cards and this all they ever do is go to the gym uh also on the flip side all the men in this show have very unrealistic body types there's this one guy who has like a normal anime protagonist like face he has this gigantic muscle-bound figure that's super unrealistic it's just kind of funny to watch uh, bad news is uh, they'll every once in a while it gets like educational and be like here's how to do the bench press and then it ends with like one of the girls in like a cheesecake store photo that doesn't make me hard that just makes me roll my eyes so uh, I don't know if I could uh, recommend how heavy are the dumbbells you lift it's still still kind of annoying it's still almost like slice of lifey because at some point they're just barely even going to the gym they're just like what do you do for Christmas you want to go to the shrine you want to eat like some bullshit I don't even like yeah, thanks, Sakura Chan. Um, but there are yeah, somebody got you to watch this. I don't, I don't know. That, that was it. Could have could have been worse. Because uh, there, it, yes, there's correct. the uh, there's the other side of the anime spectrum. So now I'm not going to tell you the title of this one. I just want you to, like listen, hear the plot for this. Okay, it's a short one. Uh, this takes place in the future. Uh, there's a hell quick. Uh, something happened to. There's a, something happened <laughs> so to say Japan. Hell something happened to Japan. We don't know necessarily Could what happened. Anything. Takes place in the Kanto region, <laughs> and there's a motorcycle gang, right? What? And the motor, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. the motorcycle gang is. Uh, they're they're running around. They're like the the gang from the Wraith, except they rape people more. And uh, they kill oh, this one oh, guy, yep. rape his girlfriend, and uh, mm-hmm. time passes, and she's like, I'm going to be out for revenge against them. And they attack a, a town, and they kidnap this one teacher who's trying to just teach the kids how to plant flowers because the ground is so arid that they can't even grow things. It's kind of like it's kind of like trying to do a takeoff of uh, Fist of the North Star, which was kind of a ripoff of Mad Max. And uh, the motorcycle gang kidnaps her, but that woman comes out for revenge, and uh, she almost gets killed because she's just one woman. How could she stop all of this motorcycle gang? So the gang's like riding off with a teacher in tow, and there's this gigantic man just in the distance. They're like, what the hell? You know, size of perspective. That doesn't make sense. They come out, he's like 10 feet tall. And that's when they run into Violence Jack. And, yes, uh, sir. <laughs> and uh, the motorcycle gang, which is called Hell's Wind, does not know yes. how to stop him. Uh, it turns you out don't. He, yeah, yeah. Oh no! What you do? You just sort of give up. Uh, they they try multiple times to uh, kill him. They try to like ride their bikes up into the air on like a ramp and just land on him, and he catches the bikes and throws them away, and they explode. Yes. And their heads chop off. Uh, yes. There's this one guy. He's like he's like the leader of the motorcycle gang. They they always look like stoic, even though there's like a ten foot badass in front of him, and uh, he's got like his lackey next to him. Right? He takes a, a hand grenade. Pulls out the pin, puts it in his lackey's lap, and is like, goes, ah, ah, ah. And he just drives right into Violence Jack and it explodes. And Violence Jack is still okay because you can't kill him. Uh, and then they're like, okay, here's an idea. Everyone pull out your Tommy guns and let's just shoot him a lot. 
And uh, they do that, and he explodes with blood, and is still okay. Um, and they ride off into the distance. And he's just sort of, like, catatonic for most of the episode. <laughs> and uh, they, they bandage him up like a mummy. And he's just, and he says in Japanese to uh, the woman who's looking for revenge, Hey, you'll never defeat them alone. Take me with you. And she's like, you can't actually move. He's like, I'll be fine by the time I get there. My superhuman regenerating power... And he goes there, and boy, he does some things to their skulls that uh, was probably not intended. This is perhaps the most violent of the Violent Jack series. Um, a lot of people are talking about how violent Genocyber is. Dude, you haven't seen anything until you've seen Violence Jack. Oh yeah, also there's a character named Joker. And the next movie that I watched was... <laughs> what? <Joker. laughs> you know, uh, before this episode, I was wondering why they didn't call him Regular Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know. Oh, man. Well, the, the next movie that I watched is I decided to go to the uh, Alamo because they're doing more classic movies. And uh, this one, I, I was looking for someone to go with, but everyone's on vacation or everyone's, you know, working on a Monday or something. So the seventh person that I asked went with me. And that's how I took Gabby to see The Dark Crystal. Now, you guys may remember, uh, you guys may remember the incident that Gabby had when she watched Cats. Uh, she got extremely drunk and was uh, screaming at the screen, desperately wanting to see Idris Elba's genitals, and uh, just yelling things. And she was like, it's a rowdy showing! We can do this! So as we're walking into the Dark Crystal, she's like, is this a rowdy showing? And I was like, no, God, please, no. <laughs> of all the movies to do that to, the Dark Crystal's probably the worst one to do that to. <laughs> uh, she actually ended up liking it for a, for a puppet movie with no human beings and no Elmo. Uh, she she did have a good time. The uh, first thing I want to say is uh, Brian Froud did some extremely good work. Like everyone knows, Jim Henson did most of the work on here, and Frank Oz, and all the puppets look really really good, except for the main character who's a little too bland for me. Uh, the Skeksis look amazing. These are the grossest puppets I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I uh, I had a really really good time with it, but we can't get over uh, Parker. You've seen uh, I think you both have seen the Dark Crystal, right? Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, there's this one... Well, I would recommend watching both the movie and then watch the Netflix series uh, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which I think came out after Trump was elected, so that's where the title comes from. Uh, Hell the, the, yeah. Believe it or not, the TV show is really <laughs> fucking good. I, I actually love the TV show more than most shows I've seen on Netflix, so... That's, that that's just, well. I know, that's not a very high bar to clear. <laughs> uh, but uh, I will say that there's this one character in there who... What is he called? I think it's called Chamberlain or whatever. This disgusting, like, vulture-like creature. And the entire time... This is great. If you have a girlfriend, you guys have girlfriends, right? Technically. What? So, like, you can, Allegedly. like, watch watch this with them and for the rest of the night just go... To them. And just, like, see how long it takes before they want to slit your throat. Uh, <laughs> Gabby actually... A day in my life, dude. <laughs> it's so funny because he... That's what he does the entire fucking movie. Just go... And boy, you can have an entire evening with that. Uh, Steve, you've talked me to this. Yeah, Parker, like we've talked about how many times you'll like you'll watch a movie and then you're just doing that voice throughout your apartment for the rest of the night. So, <laughs> well, you, it's so bad, dude. You'll be doing this one too. But actually, Gabby picked up on a, a different one. At one point, uh, the Skeksis is trying to, uh, you know, deceive the main character by going please let me come with you please 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 and she's just like oh my god i've met so many guys like that <laughs> please 
just a crumb. That's all I ask of you. So she said she was going to go home and do that to David. So that'll be fun. Um, one more horror movie before I get to uh, the penultimate movie here. I watched a Thai movie. Uh, it's called Shudder. And I actually really like this one. Uh, Parker, have you seen Shudder? From 2004. I've seen the shitty American remake. Oh, like, don't watch that. Three relationships ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we mentioned. Was, was not worth that evening. Yeah. D- I'll tell, tell you, what, you that right now. Watch the, watch the Thai version. I thought the Thai version was really well done. There are a lot of really creative cam- camera angles. So here's what Shutter is about. This guy is a photographer, and he... Uh, he takes pictures of stuff because that's what photographers do. I don't know why I said that. And he's driving with his girlfriend, and they they accidentally hit the <laughs> I thought I invented that, but I'm so glad someone else picked up that. That's what Michael Weston talks about. Okay, so yeah, he's driving along, and he they accidentally hit uh, a woman and uh, with their car. And they're like, oh, God, what's going on? Quick, hit and run, my secret technique. And they, they run away from the scene of the crime. And... Uh, Later on, the guy's like complaining of neck pains and stuff like that. That comes back. That's interesting. And uh, in his photos, when they develop, there's like this like white smudge on it. He's like, what is this, a cum stain or something like that? You look closer, it's like there's a human face in there. And the movie does a really good job to be like, dude, so many people have shown these pictures. Like, oh, there's a spirit of my grandfather in the background of this photo. It's like, no, it's double exposed. It's like his face just showed up there because you suck at taking photos. Uh, there's one jump scare that really fucking got me with the face just like turns to look at you really quick accompanied by a dun, uh, which I gotta tell you fucking works uh, I honestly I think it's all about the camera angles in this one they found a really creative way to shoot it it looks there are a lot of special effects where I don't know how they did it uh, and there is a twist that involves rape Dude, I didn't. I did I'm not know. Out of I did I can't not count know. All these. <laughs> I know. I look. Not my fucking idea. I was like, wow, this is really good. Oh my god, a twist. It. Oh. So I don't know if that was in the shitty American <laughs> remake, Parker. Uh, I don't remember uh, Kristen Bell being on the business end of a graping, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is, man. She, she did not get ganked. Okay, well, I'm sure that was a soft PG-13. Well, let's be honest. despite. The ganking in this movie. I would still recommend Shudder. It's a, it's an actual good movie. It's very very well done. It's well worth your time. The final one, and I, I boy, I hope I don't go too long about this. It's a movie I've already seen. A movie I've already talked about on this podcast. But uh, they were showing the original Superman at the Alamo. I'm like, hey Beatrice, let's let's go see it. So my sister comes along with me. She's talking like, we're the original Friday Thirteenth. Shut up, they're starting a movie. So uh, she's never seen it, and she doesn't. She, she's like, I've never seen any British. Uh, she's a woman, so she must. Be, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she tells me she's never seen any uh, film version of Superman. I'm like, oh, so you haven't seen the Henry Cavill one? And she, and, uh, she did have, a, she did have a, she did have a, <laughs> and aside, she's like, yeah, my Japanese coworker just finished his military service. I told him go go see a Superman, she, and he's like, oh, the ones with Henry Cavill, I would suck his toes. And she's like, who has been teaching you English? <laughs> so, <laughs> Present. Parker's been tutoring. Uh, I, I can barely speak English, buddy. <laughs> Not gonna work. So uh, we sit down, we watch it, and I gotta tell you, Superman 1978 is still a really good movie. With one notice, notable exception here, Marlon Brando fucking sucks. Holy shit! <laughs> He's so cool, dude. I keep forgetting like how bad he is in movies. Like I, we can just throw this down throughout your arguments. Worst, not maybe not worst, most overrated actor of all time. Like no question. 
Everyone's called him like this genius actor. That dude is not trying in the slightest. He does not care. He's getting paid literally a million dollars a day. There's no reason for him to, li to leave his trailer. In fact, here's a little secret behind the scenes stuff. Uh, Carrie Elwes worked as a production assistant on this movie, and his job was to get Marlon Brando's fat ass out of his trailer. Brando didn't give a shit. And he was he would deliberately call Carrie Elwes by the wrong name. He called him Rocky for the entire movie. Uh, also, he originally went up to uh, Richard Donner and said, I want to play Joel like a bagel. And Richard Donner was just like... You could just play him as like an alien guy. Like, I was testing you. So, that's what it's like to work with a million dollar a day actor. Uh, you also had Gene Hackman in there. Gene Hackman is actually really funny in this one. I, here's the thing I keep forgetting about Superman 1978 is once you actually get to planet Earth and you actually get to focus on planet Earth with like an adult uh, Superman, it's really good and really close. Before all that, you have like the. There's a little too much backstory, I guess. It takes a really long time. It's like, you were born on an alien planet. And you have to save the people of Earth. And it, it, that goes on for like a half hour. And you're like, oh, geez, will you put on the suit already? Once you get there, it's really good. I, I gotta tell you, Christopher Reeve is one of the greatest finds of the century. As far as like some unknown guy to play Superman. Fantastic! He's so funny as Clark Kent. Just this nerdy little guy. Like you say, mild-mannered. This guy is a dweeb. Uh, but as Superman, there's never been anyone more dashing. Alright? He is so fucking good in this. But we forgot how much humor is in this. Fucking Ned Beatty is hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why, but they just know how to use Ned Beatty in this movie. Uh... I don't know why they make Lex Luthor, who's apparently in the DC Comics, like some really bad guy uh he's just like he's more like a comic relief guy and he's got ned Beatty just like you know stumbling all around like smee to captain hook uh we had a good time it, it's the movie is as unintentionally funny as it is intentionally funny and that makes it extremely worth watching alex i don't know if you've seen it do yourself a favor and rewatch it it's actually really fun it also really leans into the campy aspect which i think is sort of like a takeaway from like the 1966 batman they're just like oh well you know it's still a comic book we could just lean into this like at the end of the movie some guy working at prison is like thank you superman the day is saved thanks to you and i'm just like was that the announcer for the powerpuff girls and uh <laughs> superman says don't thank me we're all in this together and he flies away like he's captain planet uh, I I liked it a lot. Uh, was there? Oh yeah, one thing stands out, which my sister it actually made everyone in the theater like gasp and laugh at the same time. Uh, the rape scene? No, there's no <laughs> rape scene in this. Okay. Uh, uh, although at this point, I was almost expecting one. I'd seen so many of them. It was weird <laughs> to see a movie without it. Uh, there's a little girl, and uh, she's on a, uh, like a street or something like that. It's kind of late at night, and her cat is stuck in a tree. And Superman flies down and picks up her cat and gives the cat to the little girl. And he and he's like, take better care of your cat. And uh, then he flies away, and she's like, wow, a man who can fly. And she runs into her house, closes the door. You can't see her anymore. It's like filmed from the outside of the house. Mommy, mommy, you'll never believe it. A flying man saved my cat from the tree. And her mom's like, what did I tell you about telling lies? And you can hear this. <laughs> and everyone in the, the like, whoa! <laughs> Eat shit, kid. <laughs> that was so fucking funny, dude. Uh, Margot Kidder is really, really good. She's she's very funny. I, I can't tell you. I didn't know Christopher Reeve was... He had just the best comedic timing besides, I guess... Ned Beatty, who's just like 
Curly Howarding his way through this movie, and I love it. Give yourself a rewatch. Uh, do not watch Superman for the Quest for Peace. Yet. Alex, what <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I've only got two to get through here, and one's going to be a quick one. Um, so, uh, Parker, you have a significant other. Yeah. You watched, uh, you watched Penguin Town on Netflix yet? No, but I can, down? I cannot let her know what this is. I haven't <laughs> even looked at it. I cannot. Dude. I'll spill so it. Penguin Town is a documentary about South African penguins that, like, come into oh, this, like, town. No. That It's, like, a six-episode docuseries. And, like, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Within, like, three minutes, you get to see a little penguin step on, like, a rake on the beach. Just get hit in the face. <laughs> oh, oh, you said rake. Okay. Rake, yeah. Chris, Chris, yeah. He's getting the shakes. Um, Out of your list. For some reason, narrated by Patton Oswalt. Oh, which, uh, human so, so, so here, here's the thing, though. Like, you guys have seen documentaries before. You know, like, when you have, like just a regular ass dude doing a documentary and there's like jokes in the script and they don't know how to tell them yeah so nice to have somebody that actually has comedic timing telling jokes while like penguins are falling down and shit like so, it's so not overbearing than... it's uh, it's better than the the fucking the bear movie that ryan reynolds narrated. i was about to say <laughs> that would be the one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah substantially better than that but uh it is adorable it is fun for the whole family there are like because you know like the the ladies they're here for the penguins being cute and, and the fellas we're here for the seagull trying to eat a golf ball which is <laughs> really good he talked me into it it's, i'm in it's like sounds like a it's like jackass six, like, it's like six 23 minute episodes or something like, oh you, yeah you, you can, can knock that out really easily yeah. even like yeah, I just sent her a link to it right now. Yeah. She's gonna barrel through it before we're done talking. I don't know, oh, right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, extremely adorable. Um, now for uh, the other thing I watched this week. Now, uh, listeners, as, as you heard from uh, from Chris's segment, not a lot of self care was practiced by uh, by our friend this week, <laughs> and I am uh, I am sad to report that I have also not been practicing self care. You know, it's it's you know. Times are really rough for some people, and, you know, we, we go to dark places, and, uh... So, anyway, I watched Jungle Cruise. Oh, no. What? <laughs> oh, no. Why? What? I gotta see the latest rock movie, guys. I... So... I got home from work on Saturday night, and somebody had just, like, just texted me, like, Dude, I just watched Jungle Cruise. It's really, really bad. And I was like... Well, okay, I hate everything this movie stands for, why not? Because, you know, you guys know how I feel about The Rock. Uh, you guys know how I feel about kids' movies that are over two hours. Somehow. So maybe it'll be oh. like a double negative, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, it'll all balance out. Or maybe I'll just get to do my favorite thing in life, and hate. So, uh, I'm gonna start off with the good about this movie first, and then I will get into the bad. Uh, you know both sides you know we gotta gotta be equitable on this podcast uh so the rock was born to be in kids movies that should be literally everything he does like once you take away like the like the super obnoxious you know macho acting star bullshit and it's just like a big cornball dude doing physical comedy like that works like that should be literally every role he has for the rest of his life i can I'm not going to watch them, but, like, great actor for kids. Like, I can't, can't fault him for that. 
Um, haven't seen an adventure movie in a long time. That was cool. You know, now that everybody on Twitter is fucking horny for Brendan Fraser, it's like somebody had to make one of these, right? And, uh, yeah, that Good exists. Yeah. And, uh, the first, like, I don't know, the first, like, when, when we first get to, like, the Jungle Cruise... Like the set is set up like the ride, which I thought was neat. It's like you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna just strip mine this fucking IP from a ride at Disney World, like at least give us that, you know, at least have some tie to it for anyone that's actually physically been on the ride. And now let's talk about everything else. Uh, so as mentioned, 127 minutes. No. Yeah. I'm out. I'm yeah. out. Uh, so this is, uh, I don't know if you know this, this is a period piece. Yet another movie set during World War One. So, Great. uh, you know, you know, it, it, but, you know, before the Americans are in the war. So we have our main characters who are all British and our bad guy who is aggressively German. Now, uh, is it Dieter? if, uh, sorry, one more time. <laughs> is it Dieter? <laughs> Now, if 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 on if on the the German racism scale of one to ten, Dieter the Safecracker is a ten. This guy is like an eight point five. He is, his name is Prince Joachim. He has a giant handlebar mustache. Yes. Does he bring a U-boat up and down the Amazon River? You tell me, buddy. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, uh. You said the bad, which yeah. is curious. So, uh, this is a Disney movie, of course, so, you know, oh. they can't swear. However, there's not a rule against saying Shiza. That just... The movie sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> movie sounds good. That's uh, so, Alex's favorite German word. Yeah, so, uh... Our, <laughs> our hero, The Rock, is a, uh, a boat captain on the Amazon River, and his thing is that he has a really cheap tour, and he spends the whole time just doing puns. Like, just the whole fucking time. Wait, you, uh, this is still in the bad? It sounds like a good... Yeah? Yeah, you, you, you're really into rapid-fire puns? Yeah, this sounds good. Alright, well, uh, let me know next week what you think <laughs> no, of Okay, it. no, no wheels, no wheels, no wheels. <laughs> <laughs> it's become the no whammies just, of this podcast. <laughs> it's just we've got, we've got on one end of the globe, it's a him with a bunch of fucking effete British tourists, like, who don't understand all of his stupid puns. And then they start groaning, and obviously they are miserable, as I am, as I am forced to watch this for two hours. On the other side of the world, we have our heroine, Emily Blunt. Now, you see, Emily Blunt is a scientist, but we got to remember, this is 1916, so girls aren't allowed to be scientists. So instead... Oh, 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 no, no, it gets worse. Instead, her beard husband has to, like present everything to the scientific things and when i say beard husband i don't mean that like as like a joke i mean like literally they have like the reveal it's like yeah actually my character's gay and she's the only one that liked me but in re reality what we get is like okay so you guys have seen jumanji yeah you know how jack black is playing like a fucking 12 year old girl in that movie yeah <laughs> that character but it's not a 12 year old girl and also it's the 1910s and he's british Oh no! <laughs> the no. whole time, dude. Oh my oh. god! The oh. gayest man clutched in the world. My heart. Has ended I did up a heavens to Betsy. <laughs> clutched my chest. Oh my god! The kind of <laughs> this is a character for people that think that big gay Al is positive representation. <laughs> it is unreal. How are they going to cut this guy out in the Chinese release? That's a great question, too. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He's just French. Got him. <laughs> oh! 
Parker from the top ropes. So uh, talking about. Paul Giamatti is there for two scenes with a talking parrot. He just basically yells at the rock. He's like, I want my money. And then he leaves. And he's just not in the movie again until the end. I don't know. Great. Yeah. Uh, You like CGI animals? Nope. Oh, wait, no. Uh, You want to see a a big (laughs) CGI cheetah that's on the boat, like, doing, like, emoting at the humans the whole time because the rock's friends with him? The whole time? I'm sorry. The rock is friends with the cheetah? With the cheetah, yes. Okay. Now, you see, that might be weird. It's like, how could this, you know, poor guy, you know, do this? Well, we get, we, you know, they get along on the, uh, they're going on the jungle cruise, they're doing their thing, and he's like, like, his whole thing is like, you know, he's this con artist, and everything that, like, happens to them on the, on, like, the thing is like a con, and then eventually he's like, yeah, you know, I've been looking for the same thing you're looking for, because they need the mystical flower from the magic tree to, uh... Oh, god damn I don't... Hey, you remember that part where I mentioned that Emily Blunt is a woman? Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 1910s, women didn't wear pants, but she does. So The Rock calls her pants the whole movie. The whole movie. Literally the whole movie. Uh, we get a... We get a whole bunch of lore about the conquistadors and how they were bad guys and they went to do this stuff and now there's like zombie conquistadors that are attacking the river because oh by the way this movie is just Pirates of the Caribbean 2 in the second half. It's oh, literally no. the exact same movie. Oh, like no. looks the same, the whole all the all the beats are the same and uh it turns out the rock has been alive for 400 years. Because, you see, he was with the Conquistadors, but he was the good guy, because he made the map. What? And, and, and he stopped the Conquistadors from murdering what? all the natives, but he still got cursed when the natives he... cursed all the Conquistadors. So, so he's immortal. Okay, that, no. No, that... Yeah. What? Correct. I... This is based off, like, that ride, right? You this to, is like, based off the ride. And you sit you in, know, like, a boat, and you go through yeah. these trees. Yeah, H- have you been on the ride? No, I've never been to Disney Oh, so World. you My didn't experience poor. the part where the U-boat knocks it out of the water. No, I didn't get to go. <laughs> oh, well, uh, you know, maybe next time. Um, like, once it's revealed that The Rock is immortal, I am not exaggerating when I say the entire rest of the movie is Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Literally beat for fucking beat. That was the good one. Yeah, I... If you say so. Like, I've the, only seen two of them. The Everybody bad guy. I mean, the bad guy even looks like Davy Jones. Like, oh good. It's and then the German guy is there, and he kidnaps the gay guy. And he's like, "You have to take me to the magic tree." And then they go to the magic tree, but the moon is up, so the tree is dying, and they can only get one petal. And then they gotta decide whether to use the petal to let the rock rest forever or uh, save England, I guess. Wait a second, you're reading from a Final Fantasy Wikipedia page. I might as well be, dude. I, it's... I love your beer fest German accent, by the way. <laughs> it's really good. That really did a lot for me. I just wanted you to know that. It's almost as good as my Peter Griffin. Right. <laughs> oh, wait, that reminds me. So uh, I got I got Josh to watch, uh, uh, was it, uh, Samurai Jack? There's a character in there uh, that he he texted me was like, "Hey, this guy kind of sounds like Peter Griffin." He texted me a character who I remember his voice didn't sound anything like Peter Griffin. <laughs> it's the Scottish guy. No, it's <laughs> no, it's it's a. Do you remember the character Scaramouche? He's in there. I'm like, oh, that's my good friend Scaramouche. And I'm like, oh, I should have typed that immediately. I know he's gonna go to like a Bohemian Rhapsody joke, and instead, Josh out of left field is like, oh, I remember him, that politician. <laughs> as good, I would have done pull. as well. Yeah. yeah, same. I will never forget the mooch as long as I live. 
However, hopefully, I forget everything that happened in Jungle Cruise in the next forty-eight hours. I've, because uh, I already have. I, that cannot go on the list. I. Well, hey, well, come on, we're friends. You know, before. somebody had to do it. I, yeah. I, I will say, The Rock was not anywhere near the worst part. So, uh, yeah. we got that going for him. And apparently, we're getting a sequel. You figure it out. Great. Hope the wheel is kind to you guys in a, Parker, in a year and a half. Yeah, Parker, go ahead. Boy. I watched not a lot, actually. I've been a busy beaver all week, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, between my house, the house I've been watching, and work. So I've not been able to watch a lot. But, we'll run through these real quick. So, uh, did you guys remember that a sequel to A Quiet Place came out like two months ago? Oh yeah, barely, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it turns out it's just free on Paramount Plus now, so I watched that. Okay. It is absolutely fine. That's good. It had... It has the same issues as the first one, where, like, if you think about the logistics of it, like, well, why don't they just live near the waterfall? Like, if you think about those things, things start to fall apart, but, like, if you just take it for what it is, perfectly serviceable. Doesn't need to exist. Like, you don't need it at all, but absolutely fine. Got some good jump scares. Uh, Killian Murphy is an MF snack. (laughs) Really wish he'd show Hog in this one, too, but he doesn't. Very disappointing, but... Um, pretty good. Uh, a lot of good scenes of them, all of the aliens just rolling up on groups of people and just absolutely shithousing all of them. And all the effects look good because it's a Platinum Dooms movie, which means Michael Bay produced it, which means all of the alien murder stuff's gonna look good, which is what you want. So yeah, like a solid three, three and a half stars. And more, most importantly, tight 90 minutes. Oh, hell like, yeah. We're in and out. Like, credits are rolling at minute 89. Like, it almost feels unfinished, like there's things that need to be fleshed out, but I'm not making that trade. We are in and out, you're done, you got some good good, good tension going on, absolutely solid. Uh, I have the same issue with this, I have the first one of like, obviously I don't have a kid, so like, I don't feel that feeling of like, we have to push on, we have to make a new society, we have to survive, like, I would just be dead day one. Correct. Happily. I don't see a need to build a future to protect our kids. I would just get murdered because I'm like, hey, babe, Venom 2 got pushed back, and I'm just decapitated, and that's <laughs> the end of my bloodline, and that's fine. So, There's a new I'm sure people with... <laughs> like, I just, I don't connect with movies. Any post-apocalypse movie I watch, I'm like, yeah, I'm just putting a gun in my mouth immediately. Yeah. So, you know, I don't connect as well as some other people do, but for what it is, which is exactly what the first one was, Absolutely fine. So, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is really good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched it for the first time a couple years ago. I was like, yeah, it's pretty solid, but it's, you know, it's not great. And uh, I don't know what it is about this watching, but just letting it wash over me, knowing what the movie was. It moved up real high. That movie's really fucking good. Yeah, you know, it's really impressive, especially when you consider that it was basically John Carpenter's first movie. Yeah, we're not counting Dark Star. Yeah, come on. Like, he barely does. Yeah. I love everything about. I love it's just pitch fucking black in the dead of night in the middle of nowhere. Everyone's got silencers. I just, oh my god, I love that they're basically just zombies. I love everything about it. This movie's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. 
My only regret is I didn't have time to watch the remake because I'm sure it is. Brutal. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a content assignment. That that actually should go on the wheel. Because like I watched it through Amazon because I was at my friend's house. So I didn't have my fucking Blu-ray with me. And when I see next to it the remake with Ethan Hawke and Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> oh man, if, if your boy had time, that, oh, that would have been a good that night. Could a, that could be a future episode. Who knows? It it might be. <laughs> Uh, so I watched a documentary from a couple years back called Yodorowsky's Dune. Here's the thing about this. I've never seen it. I've never seen a Yodorowsky movie. I've never read Dune. I would give anything to watch this movie. I could watch five hours of them talking about this. Call him Joe <laughs> he seems like it. No! <laughs> I have not seen I will not. Jodorowsky's Dune Look, either. I listened to him speak broken English that entire time. I'm going to say his name exactly how he said it. Go fuck yourself. I actually, I think I've seen like bits and pieces of the documentary, but never like the full thing. So I probably should sit down and see it. Um, did you ever see the David Lynch tune? Uh. Oh, uh, okay, so right there. Hold up. No, so here's the thing. Actually, that's it's really just the David Lynch tune. Uh, although Villanueva is coming out with his version. Um. I'm, not I, I'm one of the I'm one of those few people who's just like, well, the David Lynch version isn't really that bad. There's like some stuff that doesn't work, but like, I've seen worse movies. I've seen way worse movies. David Lynch doing is like, oh, I think it's kind of worth watching. Um, but uh, apparently, Joe Joe Dorowski's Dune is like actually like a really interesting. It never got made. It's kind of like the the Smile by the Beach Boys of movies. So uh, I'll try to look huh? out. I'll try to look up that. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to look up that documentary. Uh, believe it or not, they actually they played the trailer at the at the Alamo, and it's coming out the day before my dad's birthday. And Dune's one of his favorite books, so uh, I might take him to see it. I wonder what he's going to say about Timothy Chalamet. Damn, I can't believe I'm going to have to sit through every showing just waiting for you and your dad to show up. Oh my god! <laughs> but, you know, here's, the, here's the thing, though. It comes. They, it, I believe it comes out the same day as Jackass Forever. And I, I'm oh really God. hoping that I'm really hoping. Happy that, like, birthday to your dad! <laughs> I know. I'm really hoping that like Jackass kills at the box office. I hope it tops Dune. Uh, it's tough, but I think it's really in play here. <laughs> Look, my favorite. None of his movies make money. That's absolutely in play. Yeah. My my favorite thing is being able to watch you know a good movie in a theater. But my actual favorite thing is a bunch of sweaty nerds online getting mad because the movie's not good enough and up to their standards. So right. uh, it really gets <laughs> oh. win win with Dune. Oh, there's something else coming out that day. I don't remember what I, it was. Something I actually kind of wanted to watch too. Um, I don't think it's Top Gun. When's Top Gun? There's oh. no fucking way they would put Top Gun that weekend. I mean, I would just be in the theater all day. I just wouldn't leave. You know. I'd just be jumping between, like, theaters. Like, I would literally <laughs> have, like, a $300 bar tab at the Alamo, dude. I know, dude. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you and you, me and Josh are all going to see Jackass forever together. We're going to have to figure I, that one out. <laughs> well, it's... I, I, have, I have the day off work. I'm oh, very happy. Like, if, I, I can get, if I can get my dad in to see Dune, uh, I, I think he's actually going to like it because it has Dave Bautista in it, and he really liked him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh... I don't know how to tell him that's not the same character. So, <laughs> but my dad, my dad's Man, that actually just, read... that just pissed all over my enthusiasm for Dune, dude. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, my dad's read all the Dune books, so uh, he he should be into it. Parker, were there any like notable actors who were going to be in the Joe Dorowski Dune? First of all, so how you say it? I um, Alex is right there. Okay, 
I mean, we get to the part where he promises Salvador, Salvador Dali that his wife can play like a central character if he'll work on the movie, which is incredibly good to me. <laughs> I might have to watch this. H.R. Uh, Giger doing all of his insane designs and the movie gets shit canned, so him and Dan O'Bannon just leave and go make Alien. There's a lot of good stuff going on here. There's a lot of seeds of like every sci-fi movie you've ever seen. Just like sewn in this movie that never ever got made. It's fascinating. I am a filthy whore for movie documentaries. Yeah, I, like I said, like too. I have no stakes in this. I will probably go my whole life without ever seeing the Holy Mountain. I will never read Dune because like even just showing like they show a bunch of like the concept art, and after five of the names I'm like, I cannot do this. I do not know what any of this is. I will never remember this. Dune is a surprise. I would give anything to see this movie. Dune is a surprise only kind of tough read like there's a lot of like terminology they have a glossary in the back and that's never a good sign in a book but absolutely uh, not here's the thing that always makes me apprehensive about not only dune fandom but also the idea of a dune movie dune is the all-time best-selling science fiction book right it just kind of feels to me like there's a little too much like oh it's popular thus we need a movie on it no one ever said it was good though and like the book is fine i've read it once before and i i'll probably reread it again like a week before the movie comes out just to refresh like who these characters are and stuff but i had a lot of problems with the book especially the protagonist who i just thought was kind of a jerk uh i, I compared him to artemis fell uh and uh, jesus a, christ a lot Chris. of a lot of people uh i had summer reading in montgomery county and uh a lot Wait, of other you people read that i didn't have a lot of choices dude um I remember Artemis Fowl is pretty short. I'm like, I can get to this in a week. Um, and uh, the other one is uh, a lot of people compare it to like Ender from Ender's Game, which I haven't read. Um, I do have it somewhere, though. I'll like, get around to that eventually. Um, it's just like one of those things where it's like, oh, this is great for those science fiction fans who are like, they really like the idea of a teenage boy who overcomes the authority figures and saves the world single-handedly and everyone worships at his feet, which is literally every single science fiction fan. Uh I don't know. It's, it, it, again, it just focuses too much on, like, this book is popular, thus we need to make a movie about it. And, like, it's definitely filmable. You could definitely do a good job with it. And I hope this new version is good. I'm not going into Dune hoping it's bad. I just hope it's not as popular as Jackets Forever. Correct. I, there there look, are some wars I, that are worth winning here, okay? So, uh, in ninth grade, we were supposed to read Dune, and that's when I realized, like, oh, my God, I'm a nerd. I'm a big fucking dweeb. But that's when I learned that there's levels to it. Because after the t- first time I read Gom Jabbar and Quizats had a wreck, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch the movie, guys. I'm fucking out. Like, I can't do this. But to answer an earlier question, this movie is also going to feature Orson Welles, David Carradine, and of course Mick Jagger. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Every planet was going to have a different band doing their theme. Pink Floyd was going to do one of the planet themes. There was... There was there's a movie would literally never ever ever get made. I don't know what this man was thinking. Shave my head, Pink Floyd in this but movie. I, <laughs> but I would give anything to watch it. Speaking of documentaries, uh, imagine my soy face when I opened Netflix and saw like, hey, do you want to watch like an hour long documentary about Malice in the Palace? Oh hell like, yeah, yeah, dude, I sure do. Now, uh, on one hand, you don't learn that much that you don't already know, but on the other hand. Watching everyone involved relive it is incredibly good. And worth the price of admission alone. Because, uh... You know, it's just... It's fun to catch up with Ron Artest and see how our man's doing. <laughs> Turns out, uh, he's still fucking crazy. 
as it turns out. Yeah, I did like reading <laughs> up about it. I saw that you liked it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'll watch it, but I'll read up on the Wikipedia. It turns out he was lying down on the score table to calm down, which he had been Hell told yeah, to dude. do multiple times. If you're, if you're about to have a tantrum, lie down on the floor. The JFK Zapruder film slowdown footage of the beer bottle coming flying out of the stands <laughs> in the perfect arc and nailing him in the head. is inc- It's one of the greatest throws I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. I did like how apparently it was like he attacked the wrong person. He attacked the person who did the He sure did. <laughs> and then they played a TV interview with the guy that actually threw it. Like, don't you feel bad that like he went after the wrong guy? Like, now nah, I'm just happy he didn't get to me. <laughs> Uh, you know, it does seem as though history is repeating itself at that Rams game with that one woman who threw that drink and made that one guy try to do like the Ric Flair chop to like three different people in a row. Wasn't it, wasn't it Bill Burr who had the best bit about the Malice of the Palace thing? <laughs> hey, come on up here! Come on up here! Well, they came up there. It's coming up here. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I think it's like 70 minutes at most. Like, it's a real quick watch. And again, like, it doesn't tell you that much you don't already know. But it's got a lot of HD footage from that happening. A lot of HD footage that wasn't getting released in 2004. Uh, pretty good stuff. Quick watch. I just like watching other players relive it and they just get furious that their careers were ruined because of this <laughs> stupid bullshit. Uh, as we always say on the show, uh, David Stern is an absolute bitch. Fuck that dude. <laughs> Correct. And uh, so we continued on the sports documentary train and watched like half of The Last Dance. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, hey. It's it's real good. I I helped. It's incredibly one sided. Like, there's no getting away from that. But also, I do not care. Yeah. It is so good. I am having a fantastic time. I don't think she's watched a basketball game in her life and she's just locked in. (laughs) It's so fucking good. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like. It's nice to see this sort of like peeled back behind the curtain sort of thing, which even if that uh, that dynasty run had taken place in the time of social media, we still wouldn't have heard a lot of these stories. So it's it's kind of nice to finally hear them now, I guess. And she's a couple years younger than me, so watching her in real time just learn about what 90s Dennis Rodman was in all of pop culture. <laughs> really oh, good. Man. Really pure and beautiful watching her learn about this dude. Because there's so much to learn to explain. Like, yeah, so uh, anyways, he went to North Korea and almost uh, brought like a tree. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is one of the craziest life stories of all time. He is so cool. A lot of people complain about the formula, but I like... I'm only halfway through, but I like that it'll just pick a player and just have a whole episode about them. I don't like... It jumps around a lot more than I'd like, but whatever, man. It's fine. I can follow it. It doesn't help that Michael Jordan looks... Unless it's like his rookie year, he always looks the exact same. So if you're not paying full attention, like, you know... It's a it's 10 hours documentary. I drift sometimes. That's I'm fair. not perfect. Yeah. But uh, we just finished the Dream Team episode. Oh, love watching everyone talk about how much they fucking hate Isaiah Thomas. It's so <laughs> it's good content. <laughs> it's real good content. That to this day, he just tries to play it off like, Yeah, man, you know... They came here, we ruined their party. I was like, I fucking hate that dude. I'll never like that dude. (laughs) (laughs) Every single player they talk about, (laughs) they fucking hate him. (laughs) It is real good content. The final movie. (sighs) My friends, I finally watched Universal Soldier, colon, Day of Reckoning. Oh, here we (laughs) go. One of 
the fucking coolest movies I've ever seen. When did this come out? 2012, I think. Oh. Alright. Let me just sell you guys on this. Alright, so movie starts. POV, first person stuff, right? Dad's getting woken up by his daughter. His daughter's saying there's monsters in the house. Dad goes to investigate. Goes to the bathroom to wake himself up. Splashes some water on his face. Looks in the mirror. You realize you're watching Scott Atkins. <laughs> Scott Atkins goes to the kitchen. Three dudes in ski masks. They just beat the fucking dog shit out of him with crowbars. The main guy takes off his ski mask. It's bald Jean-Claude Van Damme murders his wife and daughter. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, here we go. That is the cold open of the movie. The rest of this movie is him try- waking up with amnesia, of course. Trying to piece together who he is. Getting in fights with other Universal soldiers. Including one at a uh, like a sporting goods store. Like a top ten movie fight I've seen in the last couple years. A lot of gruesome, brutal murders. Dolph Lundgren hanging out at a freaky sex club. Bunch of knife fights. Super violent. There's a giant like one shot scene that's like ten minutes long. Of fucking Scott Atkins just murdering soldiers in this underground compound. It is so fucking good, dude. It is... Uh, more people should see it. I should have seen it like a decade ago. I failed myself a hundred stars. I don't want to ruin anything else. I almost made this the episode this week. <laughs> that might have been a better idea. It was so, cl- it was so close. I almost pivoted. It is... Oh my god, it's so good. I want to talk about it forever. But also, it's like boring plot and then insane fight and then like plot details I don't want to actually ruin. But uh, yeah, anyone listening should absolutely watch Day of Reckoning. Let's <laughs> try to talk about Genocyber. <laughs> now, first thing that comes to mind is the title. The title is just an all-timer. There was one time where I was watching something... Uh, on on my hard drive that came out, I think it was one of the anime movies actually from that list, and it was something that came out like right before uh, Genocyber did. So that thing ended, and it just started off immediately. It begins in English with, "This is Project Genocyber." I'm like, "What?" And I was like, <laughs> "I I knew this would be a future episode. I just didn't know it wouldn't just necessarily be a good idea." So the basic idea of Genocyber is, and I'm just making this stuff up here, so if I'm wrong, go ahead and correct me, I don't give a shit, is they're trying to create a new life form uh, by destroying the universe and recreating it again, and uh, involves like psychic powers and like uh, cyborgs and stuff. And, uh-huh. and uh, mind, sure. mind shadows. There are mind I, shadows. I know about the mind shadows, yeah. There's mind shadows in here. Um... Uh, I don't know that that eternal destruction and recreation of the universe means this could take a while. So, uh, luckily, they condense a lot of this into just five episodes. Uh, Chris, I have a wonderful piece of context to bring to the table here. Please tell me. So, a friend of mine in another Discord who goes by the name But the Shitman Fart. <laughs> uh, they're a big fan of Genocyber, and at one point, they reached out to the one Westerner that was involved in the production of this OVA. And let me tell you the genesis of this. Let me I'll quote this directly. Basically what happened with Genocyber was Koichi Ohada and company got handed an IP that nobody cared about in a relatively meager budget 
From here, they took that money, ran off to Thailand, and made all five episodes in one long, drug-fueled, insane creative binge all over there, fully expecting it to not actually sell and basically just using the anime as an excuse for a hedonistic vacation. Then Ma Manga Entertainment saw what they came up with and went, Oh, hell yeah, we'll take the first three. These last two were kind of shit, but the first three episodes rule. It actually came out in the West before Japan because they licensed it before any Japanese companies were even remotely interested. That makes a lot of sense as to what we watched. Does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was almost going to say, you know, we could just do this on the first three episodes and ignore the last two, but then Abs I watched the fifth one and heard that bad voice acting, so... <laughs> Look, I strongly recommend part one. Yeah, yeah. Anything, it's diminishing returns after. There's still some good stuff, but like... Part one's a tight 45 minutes, makes no goddamn sense. The last 10 minutes are almost indescribable, which is a real problem for not. Yeah. <laughs> I think but, all of uh, this is fucking man. indescribable. I mean, like, yeah, there's some cyborg little girl, right? And uh -huh. I, they do that a lot. And she uh, she has other friends, and she's able to, like, peel a, an orange with her mind. Uh, uh -huh. Anyway, she runs away from her little friend. I, I have to admit, like I saw her little friend, the first thing I thought was, "Oh, he's going to talk like Speedy Gonzalez," but he doesn't, uh, which is unfortunate because I was really hoping that he would. Yeah, can you imagine if we got like an on delay when he got grabbed by his little <laughs> dick and balls and thrown across the room? <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't get that, unfortunately. We do get a lot of gore in this. There's a uh, quite amount of uh, some guy gets killed and his head fucking splatters. Uh, Which guy? I don't. Buddy? I think it was the first one. He's like he's he's uh, trying to I think rape the uh, the girl with the blonde hair. What's her name? It's not Doesn't me. matter. Uh, she's instead Correct. no rape in this uh -huh. one. So I was just like, oh, that's such a relief. <laughs> so, it was a light at the end of your yeah, tongue. Yeah, I know. See, you know, there there's a positive to this one. Uh, anyway, no one gets raped yet. And, Attempted uh, really is like the, the uh, tamest the Jap the Japan yeah. gets. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean honestly, it's, it's like oh thank to be God, expected. Yeah. It's like it, it, now yeah, we can get like, on with our lives. Attempted for Japan is just like oh that's lighthearted comedy, slice of life. It's like when a it's like when like a band that's been around for fifty years plays their biggest hit first. Like all right, now that that's out of the way, we can get to the other Badly stuff. You guys. <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, this girl. Do you want to do you want to start at the very beginning with the coolest thugs you've ever seen in all of their good dub dialogue. Yeah, let's talk about these thugs. Oh, God, Parker, because do you want to say it? Wanna... You can... There's multiple things I want to say. Because when it... So they bully this fucking dweeb, right? And when it cuts away, one of the guys goes, Hey, why aren't you going to get some fucking pussy? And then another guy goes, Haha, yeah, that's what I'm about to do. And then the scene ends. I... He really does sound like Mr. Garrison in the South Park movie. Man, can't wait till he gets tape time so, from fucking Poon Tech. It fucking owns that there's a callback to the pussy line. Too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they, when they uh, like confront this guy, it's like, uh, oh, you like finally powered out of ice. Uh, got a lively one here, didn't you? Uh, 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 that's one of those things they do in anime a lot. Like, they do a lot of vocal utterances. They're just. Uh, 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 and just they like all do like there. when Charlie Murphy says shirts against blouses. <laughs> they all make that sound. <laughs> uh, but um, I guess Parker skipped over the line, so uh, Alex, you did say we're taking it back. Uh, that one guy says, what is he, retarded? <laughs> Literally the first line. <laughs> and this is 
this is like the n-word versus like the n-word with like a soft a at the end because like he says it in like a boston accent you know it's like what is he retorted if you're (laughs) if you're from the northeast you like you're allowed to say it because uh exactly it's just like i mean it applies to you like black people are allowed to yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah he says that while getting the shit beat out of him (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like hey, he feels bad enough. What's he supposed to do? Fight back? I don't think you want him to do that. <laughs> this movie opens with this little kid getting the absolute shit beat out of him, only for you to realize, like, oh, this isn't the main character at all. <laughs> He's just, just some guy. Some yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this is to let you know that there are bullies in Japan. After the hell, was there a hellquake in this? Eh, probably, probably. Yeah. Boy, a lot of hellquakes in Japan recently. Do you think, like, if we ever, like, read on the news, if this, uh, ever, like, leaves the news, they're gonna be like, oh, 7.6 magnitude earthquake in Japan, and everyone online starts calling it the Hellquake? Would that be tasteful? Look, man, I don't believe in karma, but I feel like if I message you about the Hellquake in Haiti, something terrible would happen to me, <laughs> and I would deserve all of it. You would meet the serpent in the rainbow. Okay, so, uh... <laughs> Yeah, they, uh, the girl is running away, and she's actually part of a science lab. Turns out there's a scientist at the science lab. That's usually what they do. And he has a girl working for him. Her You're name is Diane. a scientist. Yeah, works at the science lab. And he has a girl working for him. And uh, she... What does what Diane do? First of all, she gets, like, verbally abused by this guy. <laughs> for, oh yeah, she by the way, has a robot body and can't move. <laughs> yeah, it gets verbally abused by her science daddy, yeah. who's not actually her dad. But don't worry, that's fine. Her sister is the small feral child that keeps running around and meeting oh, the sister. bully boy. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. This came up. I did research. Yeah. Good for you. This came up before Evangelion. So, uh, yeah. Her- I just want you to know that the two like central creators of this. Worked on Gunbuster and also Angel Cop, Angel Cop and MD Geist, which to remind everyone, MD of course stands for most dangerous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that movie's so fucking good. Yeah, dude. Maybe the guys who made this just knew what they were doing. You know, should have watched that instead of this. Like this plays of like, hey, I bet because all that like violent shit was starting to get big in the over here, mm-hmm. and it feels like they were like, hey, I bet these dumb American piggies will eat this up. And I did. I <laughs> ate my slob for two and a half hours. It's like my favorite thing to do. That guy's head just like he paints the inside of that subway with his brains. It's, I still don't understand who those people were on that subway train. Why that mattered? I just I I got nothing. Yeah. Oh, you don't know why there were three cyborgs that just showed up? Like, oh, I guess we'll also kill them. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So they apprehend the girl with the blonde hair, and she makes that one fat cyborg guy see bugs in his brain. Which at one point I he think they rips his brain out. I, I think at one point they change the animation style, so they just so show like a bug eating like some fruit salad dude. and it's like that's his brains and I'm just dude like, the cut to just random practical effects is super good yeah it, I it, love it you so know much. this is a weird comparison but i i think i'm onto something here it reminds me of courage the cowardly dog and remember absolutely yeah, remember when they showed ramses it's like he's a different animation style like suddenly that's scary because it's not what you're expecting you know same thing with that episode with uh schwick just schwick not bushwick but they cut to like that girl playing the the violin. She turns around and her face is claymation. You don't expect that, and it's like, oh, that's actually kind of neat. Same thing over here. It's like, wow, that's that's actually really cool. So uh, I I was very happy with that. Uh, it looked really. Anyway, I didn't know that guy was a cyborg until he his like fingers turned into like blades. And he started ripping out his own brain. He just had a 
giant bus all in his hands. Yeah, and it's like, well, that, I'm not even like scared or anything. I'm just kind of perplexed. Curious though. I'm curious. I want to see what happens next. If only. So, uh, the science company's in Hong Kong, right? And they're trying to make the perfect some yes. war organism thing. There's a new world order. It's there's a lot going on. It's fine. So also there's a detective investigating the corporation, and also three cyborgs that are all trying to kill the feral girl that escaped. So uh, the random goons who uh, called the random boy retarded meet up with the boy and his new friend, the girl. And of course they try and rape her. Uh, they take his pants down and get real Italian with them. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> and right as things about to go bad, uh, the robot sister realizes, oh, my sister's in trouble. Uh, just launches a, a robot, which I thought was going to be a giant mech. Turns out it's just a people-sized robot. Flies in, finds him, and punches the dude so hard his face, his head is just gone. <laughs> punches his head into nothing. I know, I was going to say, like, oh, his head exploded, but we use that word way too much, especially in relation to heads, which says a little something about this podcast. His head does not explode. It's just, like, it's not even, like, red mist, you know? It's just jelly. <laughs> I didn't know that, like, someone could punch that hard. He almost gets turned into a door. <laughs> <laughs> like, within within ten seconds, a child is groped, a woman is almost raped, and then a robot punches a man so hard his head just... It's a different consistency entirely. It turns purely liquid. Yeah. And then cyborg assassins show up. Oh, yeah. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. So that girl who's in the people-sized robot, she has to confront the her sister, the blonde-haired girl, the feral girl's Vajra. And I thought Vajra was like one of those things from like the... It's like one of those like Hindu necklaces or something that you wear to ward off evil spirits or something. Uh, I don't I, fucking know. You are correct. It, it, it's something like that. Anyway. Fucking knew it. Anyway. It, yeah, is, to... it is a Buddhist symbol, but uh, close enough. Oh. Yeah, that's the same thing. So, it's also what uh, Hal Goldmember says father of, <laughs> which I thought was really inappropriate. That's the one we're keeping. I just, I just ruined the episode. Well, that's the one we're doing. So uh, I just want to talk about the end of this episode, which is the longest one. It's 45 minutes, and it's really the best one. It ends with uh, just a text slate that says, and then Big Hong Kong exploded and we never heard from him again. <laughs> it's so <laughs> It's so fucking convoluted. It's like a 10-minute long nightmare fight. I don't know what else to describe. The cyborgs turn into their true forms, which are just hey man, check this shit out. <laughs> it's these absolute robot fleshy nightmares, clearly made by someone who has not slept in three days. Uh, them being on a drug binge makes so much sense, because there's no way any of them have slept. They've created an absolute nightmare. They also don't and really then, care uh, about They fight. It's absolutely not. Why would they? It's indecisive. It's was there even a script, or was it just a page that said gross shit happens? I think I can't tell what's happening. One of them gets ripped in half at some point. Oh yeah, that part. Uh, there, I think this is probably storyboarded, but they left a lot of the squares blank for, and they just wrote it I O U. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, yeah, we don't fill it in later. There's some reason that they talk to each other. We can't figure it out. Because uh, I have to admit, my notes are getting pretty sparse from here on out as we move on to the second episode, which is titled Vajranoid Attack. <laughs> uh, it's nice that we actually have names for these things. Uh, they're called Vajranoids. Yeah. 
Uh, Go fuck yourself. They are slightly bigger than people size, but not quite mech sized mech suits. And they are combined cybernoid ish thing. Oh, cyborgs. With, uh, I guess, just like monsters or something. I know that the psychic girl is also a cyborg. And I'm like, you can't be both. It's like you're playing on the playground with one kid. He's like, my character can do everything that yours can, and he can fly. You're like, you can't just like one up me like that. You know, you can't be psychic and a cyborg. That's a little too much. But apparently, uh, in this one, you can. So she can, I don't know, read people's thoughts. And also, she's a cyborg. She's like a lead of battle angel or some shit. And I guess from this episode, it was hard for me to. I think she's on like a U.S. military like carrier or something. And she's attacked. The entire boat is attacked by a Vajnaroid, but it's like I don't know if you ever guys, if you guys ever played the prototype. I didn't, but uh, I remember the cover. I did. The, the the guy on the cover, he has he's got like that big old hand, and he can like kill people with it and stuff. Well, they find one of those hands on the boat, and they're like, oh, that's not good. That's gonna be troublesome. It's the <laughs> inverse of the Eagles fan at the draft. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, big week for Eagles fans on this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, they find one of those and they're like, "Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna be in business." Hey, uh, psychic girl, who's a cyborg? Come in here. Anything about the hand? Tell us, tell us. And she's, like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, he comes in there and attacks, and I guess she has to pilot the Vajra Void suit and uh, <laughs> defend the U.S. aircraft carrier. Um, and then also a bunch of children just get absolutely ripped apart by a helicopter. Yeah, yeah which makes seemed her, makes her sad. Unnecessary. Yeah, uh, she make, that makes her very very sad. Uh, she has no friends on the aircraft carrier, and all the guys are making fun of her, and that's no fun. So she takes comfort <laughs> in the the one girl on the thing who can read her mind or something. Dude, I fucking I fucking love when all the military goons are just making fun of her for being a robot. Yeah. Oh, look at you. What well, is a robot? Want some spaghetti? <laughs> like, I know if you haven't watched this, it sounds like none of us paid attention. Like, no, I the was first trying. episode ends... The feral girl, whose name is Elena, I just looked it back up, she okay. dies and her soul merges with the robot. Oh. Episode 2 starts and she's just fine but has a cyborg body. Go fuck yourself, you figure it out. Just, Not important. I just want to thank Buck it's the a, Shitman Fart for texting you all the cliff notes for this. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Shitman Fart has done <laughs> a lot of good for this <laughs> There is a lot going on here. So we move on to episode 3, Global War. <laughs> uh, things are getting pretty tough here I guess I, I don't have a lot of notes about this episode in particular But I will say one thing People sure say the fuck word a lot in this episode oh, or, yeah. or Throughout the entire series <laughs> Alright, so I'm like Re-refreshing on the lore as I read this Did not realize That the doctor lady's actual daughter <laughs> Was killed In the first episode When that guy was thrown into a plane <laughs> Also, Correct. Yeah, I want to talk about the way that they word this, okay? Because it's like, yeah, she had a daughter just like her. She was even the same age. In fact, they looked identical. And they even have the same name. Their blood type. And I'm just like, what are you trying to do? It's the same person, right? That's what they're doing? Maybe it's a cyborg recreation? Oh, come on. So she just assumes, like, okay, I'm going to call you by my daughter's name now. And then she fights a giant hell monster that absorbs everyone on Weird. the ship. it says here, Lara 2, you're twice the daughter that Lara 1 ever was. 
We're never going to stop doing that, are we? <laughs> never, ever, ever. Oh, jeez. Well, uh, things are getting really bad in Kanto. Uh, uh, no, they, they're they yeah, in sure. a fucking Ka-Rain. Yeah, okay, they're in Ka-Rain. I don't know. Uh, We're bouncing around, but it's very funny that like episode one's a 45-minute long nightmare, and then it like, cuts to white, it's like, and then Hong Kong was destroyed, and then it ends. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. I, I tell you what, I'm loading up the Wikipedia right now, because I don't fucking remember what happens in episode four. Let's see, plot. So, you see, she fights the Vodronoid, and she's able to kill it, but it cuts her hand off. So the scientist is like, check this shit out and tries to recreate it using her her arm and then it turns into just a giant monster that just murders absolutely everyone on board the ship uh which is represented by having just a bunch of giant screaming faces inside oh yeah that's right i forgot about that and then the entire aircraft carrier is just made of meat yeah they giant meat ship yeah the midnight meat ship. It's like you okay. know the fucking you know the fucking boss in Jabu Jabu's belly when you kill it, it like explodes <laughs> into like meat. <laughs> the whole thing looks like that. Like what a reference. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I for, try. Unfortunately, I'm glad that you picked something I would recognize. Thank you. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Karain also explodes just like Big Hong Kong and has never heard from again. Big uh, Hong Kong. Duh, uh, Cyber flies away. Uh. Well, we get on to episode four, Legend of the City of the Grand Arc, parts one and two. And now uh, we are this, deeper in so the future. So episodes four, yeah. yeah, four and five, we jump like three hundred years, and also they are dubbed by a different company. Yeah, and you can tell <laughs> that's a thing. this was released like five years later. Like it didn't even get released for another five years here. Mega Entertainment did the first thing and like, you can fucking keep those, no one's gonna want that. <laughs> See, dude, I'm watching this, right? And the whole time I'm like, oh, post-apocalyptic world. I am searching desperately for violence, Jack, somewhere in the background. <laughs> dude, tell, I'm telling the you The right Genocyber now. is the Hellquake. Genocyber versus Violence Jack, I'm taking Violence Jack eight days of the week, okay? Absolutely. It's not even fucking close. Uh, so, uh, the young girl, Elaine, who talks like this, is uh, in here, and she's what is she? She's barely in this fucking movie. This fucking episode, I guess. Um, instead... Yeah, she just stops existing yeah. from the rest of the series. It's like, oh, you could do something else. Instead, it was a brief opening scene, extremely elderly leader of the Kuryu group. Was this really popular enough to warrant a fourth and fifth episode? <laughs> I have my doubts. I mean, they just made them all at once. Did they? Well, how did... You do enough drugs. You're just like, yeah, someone else could do these fourth and fifth ones. You figure it out. <laughs> they just made them all, and the dubbing company came in and was like, uh, we'll buy the first three. You can keep that last. No one gives a shit about El City Grande or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, well. Who cares? Uh, Genocyber, which I guess is just Techno God, is trying to destroy Earth, and Earth is trying to not be destroyed, so I can understand oh, some complicated results. What's the new description to give for oh, it? Hang on, I forgot to remember here. <laughs> Give me a hot second yeah, here. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to kill the leader of the Guryu group or something like that. Guryu group sounds like one of those fucking like plants anybody oh, there it is. you don't know how to put in a salad. The, the cyber monster from an imaginary world. <laughs> this is the coolest description I've ever heard in my life. It's, first of all, it's not from an imaginary... Well, I guess maybe it is, actually. I don't know. Uh, so, back at Arc de Grand City... Um, <laughs> we meet new characters... 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. We have, we have uh, the here's mayor. a couple of fucking Aladdin street rats. We have yeah. the, the guy who uh, can throw knives, I guess, and the blind girl who can smell crime before it happens. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about her. Yeah, she's in this. You might be asking yourself, "Oh, is he gonna throw knives later?" No. Oh no, she, he throws wait, them once yeah. into a dead is, guy. She's the one. Wait, she's the one. She's like, "Oh, I." I can see a person's form floating in my mind. I'm like, so you can use your imagination? Because that's, that's just what Daredevil <laughs> does when it's raining. <laughs> Put it on the wheel. No. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie so much, dude. <laughs> movie fucking blows. Not a future episode. So, so you, you see in Arc to Grand City... Uh, check this out, guys. We got some uh, really biting social commentary. Mm-hmm. The upper class live in luxury... While the lower class toils away. Dude, I played a video game like that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'll cut that. So, uh, yeah, Ryu throws uh, knives. I'm not going to cut that. It was a funny joke. Ryu throws knives <laughs> blindfolded, and uh, I think he fucks the blind girl. Correct, yeah. Absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, he's and trying to raise money then, uh, for her uh, eye for surgery. Her blindness surgery. So yeah. he should have just entered... Isn't that the Yu-Gi-Oh? Yes, yes it dude. is. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he could have just entered a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. It would have been a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Dude, do you think... what? Hey, you! My sister can't see! <laughs> what kind of cons do you think Genocyber uses? <laughs> <laughs> They're probably right. really no, powerful. This is the rabbit hole I want to explore for the next hour and a half. Thank you. You know what's weird about... <laughs> is Joey yeah. and Genocyber. You know what's really weird about the sex scene, though, is it's consensual. That's yeah, a wasn't really ready for big that. step for yeah, you. I know. <laughs> I was like, there, she was into yeah. it, which was weird yeah, for she you. Was, she was like asking for more, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" So, uh, but like you're like, "Oh, she's disabled, so it kind of half counts," yeah, and you were able to sleep yeah. that night. Yeah, there we go. So uh, Ryu <laughs> is tricked into throwing knives at a real person. Just what a fucking idiot! <laughs> <laughs> How do you get tricked into doing a magic trick and murdering someone? Uh. Who knows? Um, Arctic Grin. Not good people. Yeah, it turns out they're the bad guys, in a way. Um, turns out the rich uh, are hoarding all the money. And then uh, his girlfriend gets kidnapped by a Christian cult that thinks Genocyber is the weapon of God? Y- Question mark? I guess. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, it's more social commentary, you know? Sometimes, uh, you know... Man, uh, between that and Tebow, things. rough week for God. Yeah, no. Absolutely. I gotta say, uh, at no point in any of these episodes did I ever know what was gonna happen next. Correct. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Well, even when it did happen, I still wasn't sure what had happened. So. <laughs> I was never at any point ahead of the series whatsoever. Uh, unfortunately... And then had to go back afterwards to parse through it all. Yeah, well, uh, Ryu gets apprehended by the cops who interrogate him and beat him so senselessly he's now brain dead so join the club they just beat him almost to I'm death I'm thinking about all the interrogations thanks for the new character cop, dude. oh my god anyway it turns out that he uh, knocked up Mel <laughs> rough beat which she loudly announces to the Christian cult yeah uh, so anyways uh, the cops show up murder the entire Christian group every single one of them yeah in the church and then in her death she's like Oh my god, Elaine and Diane, please wake up. We have to get revenge. So Genocyber wakes up with all three of their souls. Which I don't... Murders everyone. 
Wait, starts like shooting fire and shit. Is it, wait, is this the one that takes place during the parade? The parade held for advertising yes. day. Uh huh. <laughs> Hell yeah. To which dude. Alex asked, "What if there are any good deals?" <laughs> <laughs> wait, Josh just joined the the chat here. Josh just entered the chat. <laughs> You know, they might not advertise this, but if you just make a bunch of emails, they'll keep giving you free Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Josh, you don't even like Chick-fil-A. Did you know Cyber has a secret menu? Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. It's just mayo. <laughs> just mayo. <laughs> so Genocyber uh, murders all of the bad guys, okay. and then it's like, alright, resurrects Mel and Ryu, the characters we've known for two episodes. Like, alright, have fun raising your baby. And then just Kamikaze flies headfirst into a space station. <laughs> Which was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, then a giant explosion wipes out the bad guys. Mel can see now. Walks up to the corpse of the Genocyber. Hears a baby crying. Series over. Never been more confused in my entire life. Yeah, I, they, have, they have a plot synopsis on Wikipedia that... Uh, actually, I, as I was reading, they were like... In an apparent dream sequence, and uh, another phrase I liked there is like, for reasons that are unclear, <laughs> this Dude, is Wikipedia. Word? I saw something on Wikipedia that I have never seen before, and that was a disclaimer at the top of the plot section that said, this section's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. Please help improve it. <laughs> it incorrect. <laughs> it was a crud. I need spark notes for this. Like, the first episode, which is a strong recommend to everyone, is 45 minutes. Everything else is like 25, and they all need to be twice as long, because I'm so fucking confused. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, part of the reason that I ended up watching all of this is because the first episode was so much fun. Even if I didn't know what was going on, I was still enjoying myself, that I just watched the next few anyway. I wasn't going to, like, stop. I was just like, now what are they going to do? You know? And I, I don't know what they did, but uh, something happened on screen, and I... <laughs> There's something freeing about realizing you don't know what's happening and then realizing, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's fine. Eventually, she's going to turn to the robot again and punch someone's brain in half. Well, the, it's fine. The other thing about this is you got to watch the dub, okay? You watch the dub because oh, if you you're watching to. the sub, I mean, you're going to know even less about what's going on because you're just going to focus on reading. You're not going to focus on what's actually going on on screen. Uh, this is really, like, my favorite sort of aesthetic for uh, anime. This is a lot better than, like... Uh, how heavy are the dumbbells that you lift? Or let's check. It's it's better to just see this sort of thing with like a really shitty dub and like a whole bunch of sci-fi bullshit going on and people's heads getting turned into paint. It's just fun, you know. I uh, it's 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 also nostalgic in a way. Like I, I didn't watch anything this hardcore when I was a kid, but the aesthetic feels like this is something from the '90s and in a good way. So uh, I'm I'm gratified that I got to see this. They sure don't make them like they used to. Yeah, uh, they also probably shouldn't, they probably, they, but that's a different story. They probably story. have laws against making them like they used to. <laughs> but, like, when I watch three episodes of Absolute Murder, and then I just see Cyber Monster from Imaginary World, like, I'm not gonna turn it off. I'm not gonna not hit play. See, episode four ends, I have no idea what's happening, I don't know what any of these characters are. But the last episode starts, and the voice yells at me, The final seal is now broken! And I'm like, yeah, we're finishing this. Like, I'm fucking in, dude. Oh, you think I'm not gonna watch this? Anyway, uh... Love that the last two episodes have a different dub, but it is the worst dub I've ever heard. And that's... The most monotone, 
garbage shit possible. I have to admit, I almost understand why the dub is so bad, because I have a feeling it's like, oh, this is a dub of Japanese product, right? So you get, like, the actors in, like, a studio where they can watch, like, the playback monitor, and they try to, like, match up your voice with, like, the, A, the characters on screen, and B, his, like, his voice movements. These characters look so fucking bland that I can understand why they're just like, now, you must defeat the Geno Cyber. It's like the character is just drawn in the most flat, boring way possible. I do the same voice. Also, it's kind of worth watching just to hear how bad the dub is. It's, <laughs> it's actually kind of fun. Same thing with uh, Demon City Shinjuku. And that's the tea, sis.